0: Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Monday, November 22nd, we are studying Ezekiel chapter 44, verses 1 to 31. As Ezekiel's vision of the new temple continues, he sees the gate for the prince. He hears instructions for those who will serve legitimately as priests within this new temple help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Andrew Preuss. Pastor Preuss serves at Trinity Lutheran Church in New Haven, Missouri. Pastor Preuss, welcome back to Sharp Iron.
1: Thank you. Good to be back.
0: Pastor Preuss, I've been sharing this quote from Dr. Horace Hummel in his commentary for the last several episodes. On this section of Ezekiel, Dr. Hummel says, "...from almost any perspective, these chapters are among the most formidable and challenging in the entire Bible." And I think that's proved true as we've gone through these first several chapters of this section. Some parts are easier than others. But just with that in mind, that this is a challenging section of Scripture, how, how do we need to approach this to use it profitably for our lives as Christians?
1: Well, first of all, we should approach it with humility, um, <clears throat> because that's how we should always approach God's Word. Um, and and we should always remember the scope of Scripture being the, that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent, and that Christ—that's—that's—that's that's, that's, uh, that's about Christ, you know. And Christ is the fulfillment of all Scripture. To Him, all the prophets bear witness. Um, and uh, you know, to kind of keep in mind, you know, this is something I, I can totally resonate with. That as one who has read Ezekiel plenty of times, and and I felt the same. I mean, Hummel takes the words out of my mouth. I couldn't couldn't have said it better. Um, and yet, what always helps for me is just keeping focused on the distinction between law and gospel um, uh, the, the, uh, and, the, and the general theme of the shadows and the promises, right? That there's, there's the promise that's very clear in, you know, like I mentioned, Genesis 3.15, and there's several other promises that are very, very clearly point out to Christ. Uh, point, point, point the people to the coming Christ, and then there's these shadows that are accompanying the promises, and the shadows are um, are serving to, to point them forward to the coming Christ. So you think of Colossians, what is it? Colossians two that says, "Don't let anyone judge you based on what you eat and drink, and and uh, uh, concerning feasts and." And months and Sabbaths, uh, for these are shadows of what was to come, but the substance is Christ. And so, if you keep that in mind when you're reading this, that you know the, that that the overall theme here and scope is that it's pointing them to Christ, then you're going to be you're going to be on the right track. But also the other thing, and this goes along with keeping in the law or the old covenant keep in mind that Ezekiel is speaking to the people in exile um, whose temple has been destroyed and who are very familiar with with the the rules and regulations and worship of the old covenant. So while we understand that this is a shadow, these things are shadows, we, we, we should we should read this historically as well. Um, historically and grammatically um and understand that, yeah, it's uh, you know the part of the challenge here is that okay, is he talking about the temple itself that would be rebuilt by Zerubbabel? Well, it doesn't seem like it, since he's describing a much bigger temple. Um, and we know from uh, from Ezra that the, the temple is not big, and, and in fact, that's why the people were crying because they could remember. They can remember the the Temple of Solomon, and they're kind of disappointed. It sort of, it sort of reminds me of the uh, um, complaint about how Sunday we don't have as big of a Sunday school as we used to, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, and of course, Haggai has to remind them that you no, know, the, the glory of this smaller temple is going to be even bigger. But at any rate, so we know so it can't literally be that. But then the, so then we're then we think okay, so it has to be about the the great you know basically what 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 Paul. John describes in Revelation 21 is is basically another way of describing just the church, you know, the kingdom of God, uh, triumphant in heaven. But then you get other details where it seems, you know, he seems to be describing the literal Old Covenant uh, priesthood, and and he's very particular with regulations on, like, who the priest can marry and... Um, and, and and certain uh, other rituals that reflect the old covenant, so they're kind of reiterating it, um, like what what to wear and what not to eat and, and stuff like that. And so so it's so it does make it very difficult because he's still speaking in, in the context um, of the old covenant and kind of the situation of of what they would be used to. So. So just keeping all that stuff, but but keeping all the other stuff in mind about shadow and promise, law and gospel, and that Christ is the scope of all Scripture, you know, we're, we should be on the right track as we approach this text with humility.
0: Do you think, I mean, I've just been thinking about this as we've been going through this section, that it's almost like this part of Ezekiel has has a foot in both testaments if i can if i can say it like that he's using this very old testament you know uh the liturgy of the temple that language permeates this whole section but then there's all these connections to the book of revelation that make it pretty clear that he's seeing something more than what was there in the old testament it's almost like a it seems like a very transitional text even though ezekiel is you know we're in about the 570s bc at this point it's, it seems like a very transitional text between the old testament and the new testament in that light
1: yeah absolutely and 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 this is that's a very good way of putting it and 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 it makes a lot of sense if you consider the situation uh where ezekiel is in right this is ezekiel is living during the captivity um <clears throat> right around the time that the the temple is even destroyed and and uh, he, so he's giving the people this hope but but the temple is very much in their memory. Um, you know the the, the 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 various priestly acts are very much in their in in their memory, and, and so you have you have him applying God's eternal word, which is to be fulfilled in the new covenant, in the New Testament, um, but applying it to people who are in the time of the Old Covenant, who are still sitting, who are still standing in the shadows, right? And so he's shining the light of, of, of grace on those who sit in darkness, who are in the shadows. Um, but he's not giving it all right away. And I mean, and I think we could say this about the entire Old Testament, because Christ is always there. Um, you know, going, you know, name whatever kind of prophecy you can think of. They're they're speaking these prophecies to the people who are, uh, like I said, standing in the shadows, who are, who are following the the, the rules and regulations of the old covenant. Um, so so yeah, I like that that he's kind of has feet in both places, and we need to be able to understand where he is, who, you know, who he's talking to. And of course ultimately he is talking to us uh the people of the new testament um but uh but this stuff did not come out of um it, it didn't come it, it didn't happen in the corner right and it didn't come out of uh you know nowhere it was god has always built on the foundations that he has laid right so so this is uh
0: this, i mean and this is why jesus says for example
1: um you will preach to all nations beginning in Jerusalem and tarry in Jerusalem until the Holy spirit comes because it's to the Jew first. And then also to the Greek and it spills over to the other nations. So, so it should make sense then that you have both of those and they seem to kind of be, it's almost like, it's almost like two, it's almost like when you're dreaming like this morning, um, I was I was sleeping um, very deeply and I woke up to my alarm and it was my alarm was set at five fifty, but I woke up at like five fifty two. So my alarm was going for like two minutes and I could in my dream, I could hear my alarm. Mm. And so it's like it's like you're waking up, you know, and you're not quite out of your dream, but you're entering into the true light of reality and 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 that's kind of you know it's sort of what we're seeing here that there's there's this vision but it's like they're there's uh, they're, they're kind of at the end of the dream or the end of the shadow and, and I'm not, not to say that everything was just a dream but it's right. comparable to that in that in a sense and that it's they're seen dimly and the light has not fully manifested
0: himself Let's go ahead and and jump into the text here in Ezekiel chapter 44 and see how Ezekiel's vision continues. We're starting in, again, Ezekiel 44, verse 1. Then he brought me back to the outer gate of the sanctuary, which faces east, and it was shut. And the Lord said to me, This gate shall remain shut. It shall not be opened, and no one shall enter by it. For the Lord, the God of Israel, has entered by it. Therefore it shall remain shut. Only the prince may sit in it to eat bread before the Lord." He shall enter by way of the vestibule of the gate, and shall go out by the same way. Then he brought me by way of the north gate to the front of the temple, and I looked, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple of the Lord. And I fell on my face, and the Lord said to me, Son of man, mark well, see with your eyes, and hear with your ears all that I shall tell you concerning, all the statutes of the temple of the Lord, and all its laws. And mark well the entrance of the to the temple and all the exits from the sanctuary, and say to the rebellious house, to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, O house of Israel, enough of all your abominations, in admitting foreigners, uncircumcised in heart and flesh, to be in my sanctuary, profaning my temple, when you offer to me my food, the fat and the blood. You have broken my covenant, in addition to all your abominations, and you have not kept charge of my holy things, but you have set others to keep my charge for you in my sanctuary thus says the lord god no foreigner uncircumcised in heart and flesh of all the foreigners who are among the people of israel shall enter my sanctuary i think i'm going to pause right there i know it's not where the esv divides it pastor price but after that he starts talking about levites and so i think uh, let's pause there that was at verse 9 so there's, there's a couple of things going on in this section, and I, we really could have stopped right after verse 3, because there's a, a pretty a clear break, I think, there. there We, we get a, a familiar, you know, the Lord has come into the temple. We saw that in the previous chapter. This door is going to be, remain shut where he's gone in. But then there's this new figure that we meet in this section, the prince in verse 3. And we're going to see him later in this section again, It not in this chapter, but in, in future chapters in Ezekiel. Who is this prince that Ezekiel sees here?
1: Yeah, the prince is Jesus, and uh, and what's significant here is uh, what this reminds me is so I mentioned I mentioned the later temple of Zerubbabel, who was the he was in the lineage of David, and he was kind of the appointed governor or you know prince, I guess uh, you you could refer to him as that um, of the people, um, and uh, when they came back from Babylon to Jerusalem, and, and Joshua was the high priest. And, you know, the people were weeping uh, because the, the, the temple wasn't – they could tell that the temple wasn't going to be as big as the previous temple. And, and here's the thought. Maybe they even heard the description uh, from Ezekiel mm. and thought, oh, this is going to be awesome. All right. We're going to have a huge temple, even bigger than Solomon's. And, and, and then they see that, oh, that's not happening, and they're really kind of depressed. And then you have, of course, the younger people who are, you know, they're just happy that they're building the temple, and so they're rejoicing. And then, you know, God sends two prophets, uh, in particular Haggai and Zechariah, uh, to encourage them to re- to build, he- keep building the temple. Don't be discouraged. Um, they had, you know, they were, there's people opposing them, so they're discouraged because of that. And also they're just kind of... It's sort of like when people stop coming to church because, or Bible class because they're discouraged that it's not as big as it used to be. It's kind of a downward spiral, and so then, it's like you know, we used to we used to be bursting, uh, bursting at the seams, and and uh, now we're now now it's not like that. So I don't want to, or or I'm not going to go to that church because they don't have a Sunday school and I have kids. Like, well, you know, you could start one though you know, you could teach your own kids at home. That's probably the best Sunday school. Anyway, that's, uh, I'm I'm going off track here. My, my point though, is that then what, what you get in, 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 uh, in Zechariah is, so Zechariah comes and is preaching to the people, encouraging them. He's, He's specifically talking to, he's talking to the people in general, but he's addressing Zerubbabel, um, the Prince and, uh, and and Joshua the high priest and he's and then he's he's there's this scene where you know you have Satan accusing Joshua and, and then the angel of the Lord uh, tells you know rebukes the devil and then clothes Joshua with a turban and then he starts talking about this he says all of these things all of these all your companions who are sitting before you all these these the priests and and uh, the people working in the temple these are just a sign they're just a sign. Of what is to come and what is to come is my servant the branch and then and then what you see in in uh and he, he talks about the branch and uh and uh and and how he will he will rule and then in chapter six of zechariah and i know we're talking about ezekiel here but it's it's helpful to go to compare this with zechariah in chapter six you have you know kind of the words that are really uttered by pontius pilate behold the man Whose name is the Branch, um, Jesus of Nazareth, right? And so here's the man, the Branch. And then it goes on. And it talks about how he shall sit and rule on his throne, and so he shall be a priest on his throne. And what you see here with the Branch is the Branch, who obviously you think of Isaiah, Isaiah 11. You know, okay. um, mm-hmm. uh, the stump uh, uh, out of the stump of Jesse, right? Who comes the Branch? What he does is he combines both of these anointed offices. So there are two offices in the Old Testament that are anointed. There's king, or we might say prince, and there's priest, right? And the branch, Christ, he is both king and priest. And, of course, we know him. We know the threefold office, you know, prophet, priest, and king. And so here, here he combines both of them. We see here in Ezekiel, which is before uh, before the time of Zechariah, um, you know, about a about, about a generation or maybe half a generation before Zechariah, we have Ezekiel talking about the branch, or sorry, not the branch, the prince, um, and the and how is this prince described? That he that that, that he sits, uh, uh, he he sits in the uh, the inner court, uh, or the inner gate. And uh, he enters the sanctuary of God, and he sits in it, and he eats bread before the Lord. Um, and later on, you know, you have in, in chapters 44 to 46, you have you have the branch being, or gosh, I keep saying the branch, the prince um, described as doing other priestly things, priestly acts, like you know he's 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 taking on the role as the high priest, you know, offering the bowls. Uh, the sin offerings and all that kind of stuff, and so here you have a, the, the, the two offices combined. You have the prince or the king, um, and uh, who is the prince of peace, right? As described in Isaiah nine, the child who is born to us, the son who is given up for us, um, in a sacrificial way. And uh, he's and so he's the prince, and he's also the high priest who is doing you have it in Christ you have those two anointings coming together as the one anointed one
0: mm-hmm. that's a very helpful introduction to who this Prince is because as you said he is going to show up again later in this section doing other priestly functions and I, I think you know just the fact that it he's described as Prince here and yet you see him exercising these priestly functions is one of those ways that you see Ezekiel with the the foot in both places because he's he's using a lot of that Old Testament imagery, and yet he doesn't say this is the priest or the high priest who's doing it; he's mm-hmm. the prince. And I mean, so I think that's mm-hmm. one of those places where you you see how the, that that vision that Ezekiel has it, it's firmly in both places, and and ultimately pointing us toward Jesus.
1: Yeah, and keep in mind also another another place to go to. Um, which would be, I suppose, 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. Uh, I, I can't, off the top of my head, think of which chapters these are in, but Uzziah the king, um, who would have been uh, the father uh, of uh, well, it's U, Uzziah, Jotham, then, then uh, Ahaz. So, so Uzziah the king was a good king, except one thing that he did wrong is he went into the temple and burned incense and then God struck him with leprosy and it's almost like he's trying to be that fulfillment of which he is only a shadow right and so it's interesting that you see that if you connect it with that that Uzziah was not to do that he was not authorized to do that but the prince who would be born of the lineage of, of, of Uzziah um, which is the lineage of David he will do that
0: yeah yeah, that's a, that's a very a, a good comparison there, and and again to see how this is pointing us to Christ. One of the, as I was reading just our section and knowing what's what's coming, it seems one of the the very important uh, features of Ezekiel forty four is who can come in and who can't, who's legitimate and who's not. And I mean, so we've seen the Lord come in, His glory has come in, and obviously He's legitimate. The priest, or excuse me, the prince he comes in, he's legitimate, and then there's uh, what we've read so far, it sounds like it has to do with, you know, more of the worshipers who come in before the rest of the chapter is going to deal with which Levites get to do which things. So thinking about the the foreigners, who gets to come in, up, up through verse 9, what, what do we see in this text?
1: Yeah, so those who come in would be those who rightly worship the Lord, um, and uh, of course he leaves out the foreigners and the, the and what he's really doing here is just kind of reiterating what he says in Deuteronomy 23 uh, which did not allow foreigners in um, and uh, and there's also you know uh, it, it didn't allow the, the it didn't allow the pagans in so it, and it specifically mentions the the Amorites and the, the Moabites um, or the Ammonites I think and the Moabites and, and of course you know those who castrate themselves in, and, and there's like illegitimate and sons and stuff like that um, so but, but he specifically here talks about foreigners uncircumcised in both heart and flesh mm-hmm. so the, the circumcision of the flesh um, given to to uh, Abraham was a sign of the faith uh, by which he was justified, um, and the cutting, you know, and really signifying that it's not by f- our own flesh and blood, um, but by the spirit of our God. And so, you know, the, Moses says to the people, "Circumcise the foreskins of your hearts." Um, and so, the so those who are who are to be left out are not just foreigners but it's foreigners who are uncircumcised in heart and flesh which is that's where again you have both feet in kind of like you said the old and new testament because of course circumcision and uncircumcision of the flesh count for nothing um, uh, but a new creation counts right faith working through love is what counts <laughs> is, what is, is what is approved by God Um, and, uh, but here, he, he, uh, he mentions both the heart and flesh, and with the heart there, you see, you know, to use, and maybe this isn't the best analogy, but, but, uh, like with the dream, um, that kind of just kind of came to me, but, uh, but, you know, think of it as, like, that is sort of waking up, you know, the shadow is kind of going away, and the sun is rising, um, and, uh, so that, here, he's, he's talking about faith. And so those who are not those who those who are to come in are are those who, who have faith. And 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 going back to um, f- to the first three verses uh, briefly, you, you notice how it's shut, and uh, and and only and and only the prince can go in, right? Now later on in you know, a couple chapters later, it does describe how when it is opened and, um, and that the people go in with the prince, right?
0: And it reminds
1: me of what Jesus says in John 10, where he describes himself as, as the door, right? And those who follow him, those who hear his voice, who believe in him, will enter in and out and have free pasture, Right. So, so on the one hand, it's shut. It's shut to the unbelievers. It's shut to the proud, to the uh, to, to the to the hardened in heart. Um, but uh, and it's opened only by the prince. And it reminds me also of it was Revelation chapter five, where he where John is weeping because there's no one found to open up the book. Um, and then, you know, the 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 lion is it the is there, is there, he's called the lion the lion of the is tribe the, of
0: Judah, I believe. Yes, in Revelation five, the lion
1: of the tribe of Judah is given to open the book to to loosen the seal um, of the scroll, and and this is and so we should be reminded of that as well that he opens the door. Um, so there's both a warning as well as as well as uh, uh, comfort here is it's only in christ that the door is open that's the comfort the warning is like you know with the ten virgins the five foolish virgins who come and the door is shut before they get there and they can't enter because they don't know the bridegroom mm-hmm. and uh so this is uh so this he's kind of setting the record straight here that it's, it's the prince who is raised up by god the lord jesus christ who's promised um uh, by God, who who alone has the right to go in, and you know you'll get into that later on as you as you as you continue your study on this on how how he brings them in. But right here, you know he's 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 talking about those who have defiled, uh, who, who have defiled hearts, uncircumcised hearts, and they are not to come in.
0: Yeah, and so again, we see a very clear picture of what Christ is doing to bring the people of God, the faithful people, into the presence of God here in this new temple. That's what he does for you and for me through his church, through his word and sacraments still today. We're going to pick up more of this on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on KFU. We're talking Ezekiel 44 with Pastor Andrew Price. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Monday, November 22nd. We are studying Ezekiel chapter 44 verses 1 to 33 with Pastor Andrew Preuss. He serves at Trinity Lutheran Church in New Haven, Missouri. Pastor Preuss, prior to the break we're looking at the first nine verses. The prince who comes in, Jesus, he is the one who comes in by right, and as we'll see Later on, he's going to bring others in with him. We, we've talked about these foreigners who are uncircumcised in heart and flesh, both these unbelievers who are not to be admitted into the temple. And now the Lord has more to say, particularly about who serves in the temple. And so he's going to talk about Levites and, and get pretty specific on some of these Levites. So we're picking up again now in Ezekiel 44, verse 10. But the Levites who went far from me, going astray from me after their idols when Israel went astray, shall bear their punishment. They shall be ministers in my sanctuary, having oversight at the gates of the temple, and ministering in the temple. They shall slaughter the burnt offering and the sacrifice for the people, and they shall stand before the people to minister to them. Because they ministered to them before their idols, and became a stumbling block of iniquity to the house of Israel, therefore I have sworn concerning them, declares the Lord God, that they shall bear their punishment. They shall not come near to me to serve me as priest, nor come near any of my holy things and the things that are most holy, but they shall bear their shame and the abominations that they have committed. Yet I will appoint them to keep charge of the temple, to do all its service and all that is to be done in it. But the Levitical priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept the charge of my sanctuary when the people of Israel went astray from me, shall come near to me to minister to me, And they shall stand before me to offer me the fat and the blood, declares the Lord God. They shall enter my sanctuary, and they shall approach my table to minister to me, and they shall keep my charge. When they enter the gates of the inner court, they shall wear linen garments. They shall have nothing of wool on them while they minister at the gates of the inner court and within. They shall have linen turbans on their heads and linen undergarments around their waists. They shall not bind themselves with anything that causes sweat, And when they go out into the outer court to the people, they shall put off the garments in which they have been ministering, and lay them in the holy chambers. And they shall put on other garments, lest they transmit holiness to the people with their garments. They shall not shave their heads or let their locks grow long. They shall surely trim the hair of their heads. No priest shall drink wine when he enters the inner court. They shall not marry a widow or a divorced woman, but only virgins of the offspring of the house of Israel, or a widow who, who is the widow of a priest. They shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the common, and show them how to distinguish between the, clean, the unclean and the clean. In a dispute they shall act as judges, and they shall judge it according to my judgments. They shall keep my laws and my statutes in all my appointed feasts, and they shall keep my Sabbaths holy. They shall not defile themselves by going near to a dead person. However, for father or mother, for son or daughter... For brother or unmarried sister, they may defile themselves. After he has become clean, they shall count seven days for him. And on the day that he goes into the holy place, into the inner court, to minister in the holy place, he shall offer his sin offering, declares the Lord God. This shall be their inheritance. I am their inheritance. And you shall give them no possession in Israel. I am their possession. They shall eat the grain offering, the sin offering, and the guilt offering, and every devoted thing in Israel shall be theirs. And the first of all... The fruit, first fruits of all kinds, and every offering of all kinds from all your offerings shall belong to the priests. You shall also give to the priests the first of your dough, that a blessing may rest on your house. The priests shall not eat of anything, whether bird or beast, that has died of itself or is torn by wild animals. That was the rest of Ezekiel 44, that was verses 10 to 31. So, Pastor Preuss, here we we go into the Levites particularly, and it looks like, to me, verses 10 through 14 describes Levites who had been unfaithful and what their role's going to be, and then verses 15 through the end are going to describe the Levitical priests who have been faithful, those particularly being the sons of Zadok. So, take us into that that first part, verses 10 through 14, these Levites who had gone far. What's going to be their role in all this?
1: Yeah, so these are ones who had... You know, defiled the sanctuary. They were unfaithful. They didn't follow God's God's word. Um, showed showed favoritism and, and all that kind of stuff. And what he says about them is that they're going to bear their iniquities. as they're going to be accountable for their work. But then he but then he goes on to say that they're still going to minister in the sanctuary. Um, and so you know we see this. We see this play out in in the time of Christ. It you know culminates there, where you know the, the who who handed Jesus over to be crucified, handed him over to to the Gentiles. It was the Levites. It was I mean the Pharisees as well, the Sanhedrin, but the Levites. You know, uh, especially the high priest. We might mention Caiaphas, mm. who. Uh, you know, he unwittingly even prophesied that Christ was the atonement for the people in John chapter 11. You know, talking about uh, how it's it's more it's more expedient that one man should die than than for the whole nation to perish. And John points out he, he didn't know what he was saying. He was not speaking on his own authority, but this was being a high priest that year. He was prophesying in what manner Jesus would die. And we could also... Point to the irony, and uh, you know the, the Holy Spirit is very—he has—he—he uh, he has a sense of humor. He's ironic. I mean, yeah. um, there's all all sorts of irony all through the Scriptures. Um, and here, you know, they—they they ironically fulfill their duty. Um, he fulfills his duty as high priest, and they—and the other priests fulfilled their duty by by uh, crucifying Jesus. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're offering up the ultimate sacrifice is the final uh, highest sacrifice for the to put put an end to all of the sacrifices of, um, of bulls and goats and sheep and uh, so so and this shows us that even today now uh, while we don't define the the, the the essence of the of the New Testament ministry according to all of the characteristics of the of the priesthood um, they certainly are related in the sense of, of, of accountability, um, and that, that God and leadership—you know—that that God gives today, He gives leaders to His church to uh, to guard the flock uh, with the Word of God. And uh, He's not, He doesn't. God, in His wisdom, doesn't just remove them. Um, sometimes He does. Uh, uh, but uh, but he 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 allows a lot of uh, charlatans to uh, to to run around and uh, but he says that they will be judged more harshly. Um, they will be judged for what they're what they're doing in his name. Uh, they'll be held accountable. Um, and uh, and that's what he's saying here about these priests that 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 they will bear their iniquities. He's not just going to get rid of them. Um, there's always going to be wicked men uh, and hypocrites who are serving in the church, and uh, but God is going to make them bear their iniquity.
0: I like the connection that you made to Caiaphas and the other priests during the time of, of our Lord in the Gospels. I think that's a, a great connection to this text of those Levites who end up doing what God gave them to do and, and even end up, as Caiaphas does, prophesying Truth, even if they don't realize the truth of what's going on, the irony, the the humor of the Holy Spirit, there is certainly apparent. The the. Yeah, majority this is Go a ahead.
1: comfort. Should, yeah, this is a comfort. I should also mention it's a great comfort to people who, uh, especially who have gone through the you know the turmoil of scandal of a, a pastor who has, who has. Uh, Outed himself as as a wicked man who doesn't believe uh, God's word, and you know maybe this was your maybe this was your pastor who baptized you or baptized your children or or gave you know he gave you the Lord's supper for, for several years, and then perhaps he comes out as an unbeliever, um, and it's exposed. You should not you should not doubt that, uh, that the, the word of God that you heard from him um, and the sacraments that you received from him and that your children received from him uh, are invalid because God is going to fulfill his word despite us and uh, despite the hypocrites. And uh, we should always rejoice in the faithful ministers, the faithful leaders um, in our church um, just as we would that the people in the Old Testament would rejoice in the faithful priests who do their duty or the faithful kings. Um, but, you know, God ultimately is working, he's working through his word and we rely on his word. And so that's, that, this should bring to mind uh, that, that comfort that we can rely on his word despite how evil men are.
0: Now, the Lord does have faithful priests as well, and they really occupy the, the bulk of the rest of this chapter, verses 15 and following deal with these faithful priests who are the sons of Zadok. We've, we've met them previously in this section. They've been singled out for their faithfulness. Here you get a lot more detail as to how they will come and minister. And one of the things that stands out right away is the matter of their clothing. They're to wear linen and no wool. What's the significance of the clothing that these priests are given to wear?
1: Well, he explains that uh, he kind of explains it where he says that they're not to wear anything that makes them sweat, and of course, wool wool holds in, you know, it's like polyester. You know, yeah. uh, that you know, I have a I have a, uh, an old that's made of polyester, and it's just oh. kind of oh. <laughs> it, it's 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 a bit tough in the summertime yeah. <laughs> sweat. Um, but um, but at any rate, you know they, they're not to to sweat, um, and you know this might also imply then that they themselves are not fulfilling fully the duty that the prince would fulfill, mm-hmm. right? That the high that the main priest who's coming would fulfill. Uh, you know, they're because you know they're too. Leave their holy garments in the sanctuary when they come out to the people. Um, they're not to bless the people with their with their garments on. Um, another thing too that that you know with wearing only linen, this this also reflects. It's kind of pointing back to some regulations that were given in Deuteronomy uh, twenty two. Where they're not, where the people are not to mix uh, wool and linen together. Um, but but what's also interesting, I found that uh, that Josephus mentions that the priests would wear both wool and linen together. And mm-hmm. and I've read uh, I've read people uh, say that that this is significant in showing that the priests were kind of set apart, that this was reserved only for the priestly garments, and that in a similar way that uh, certain types of frankincense um, and uh, you know incense were only to be used in the tabernacle and the temple and, and were not to be used by the common people. So there was something that sort of sets them apart. But what we see here is that they're only wearing linen. Now, if... It's just a kind of an interesting point to, to, to note that Josephus says that that that, that they, they, they would be mixed, but here Ezekiel says that they are to only wear linen, and then they are to put on, you know, really put on regular clothes when they go outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 so it's again, it's like that two, it's like that waking up from the dream. It's like the sun is, is rising and the darkness is going away. The shadow is. Is dissipating, and there you're seeing the beginning of that with the two feet in each testament. Um, we're seeing the beginning of the fulfillment where their their duties are becoming less and less. Like they're still doing their duties, so there's that intention that God w- and that guidance that God would give to the future priests, like Joshua, uh, in in the days of Zechariah and Haggai mm. after the captivity and and other priests. That God would still provide faithful, faithful ministers of the sanctuary, um, but that they're but that this old covenant priesthood is slipping away, it's 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 kind of dissipating
0: as the light is is rising. Mm. Uh, the place that I think that really stands out to me in, in this section is at the end of verse nineteen where the Lord says, you know, you, you should put on these other garments when you go out, lest they transmit holiness to the people with their garments. Which which strikes me as, as unusual, because normally, mm-hmm. like when I think about the book of Leviticus, and I think about the the way that, the, the way transfer works, normally I think of mm-hmm. the transfer as being the unclean makes something that was clean, unclean. Rather than yeah. the way that it's phrased here, you know, you're going to actually transmit holiness by your garments. And the reason that that stands out to me here is because when you think through the, the New Testament, this is the way Jesus works, is that he yeah. transmits his holiness to others. And the, the two that really stand out to me in the New Testament in, in our Lord's ministry would be the woman with the issue of blood who touches his garments yep. and she's made clean. And then I think it, it would be connected to the way Jesus touches lepers too, although it's, it's not as specific with his garments, but I think there's a similar thing going on there as well.
1: Yeah, and it's one of the prophets, I, it's, it, it's it, one of the minor prophets, and for some reason I'm just not able to remember where, says something about, you know, can you be made clean mm. by touching the temple? Something like that. Um, and he's, 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 uh, he's, he's rebuking them for, for basically treating the temple as like, well, as long as we're going through the motions, then we're holy. Right, and uh, and 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 so he's he's kind of he's really attacking what we would the fancy Latin phrase uh, that describes uh, ex opera uh, ex opera operato. Um, you know, this kind of going through the motions, this outward doing the outward act. That face is not um, really the main thing. Um, mm-hmm. It might be kind of in the background somewhere, but it's not really the main thing. Um, and uh, but yeah, there that is interesting that they. That they they will not transfer holiness to the people, and part of that too is that they were never intended to, right? What what is the constant phrase throughout Leviticus? What is like the constant refrain as God is giving all of these these uh, these regulations for worship? He always has this refrain. Do you remember what that is?
0: The one that comes to my mind is, "I, the Lord your God, am holy." Or, "I am the Lord." That—that's. But maybe I am the
1: Lord. I am the Lord who makes you holy. There you go. Right. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. And so, we're seeing kind of this—they're kind of being retired, but gradually, right? Like not right away, but that we're seeing the beginning of of much closer to the fulfillment. Um, and you know it's kind of you know there's that uh, you mentioned Hummel, you know, and we were talking before about about him, and you know he's got that book the the word becoming flesh, mm. you know that there's this the the fullness of time is dawning, and uh, and 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 we're seeing the priests kind of losing little by little their uh, their 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 you know it's kind of their purpose their purpose is being fulfilled but also this was never again going back to leviticus who is it who makes us holy the lord sanctifies us um and it was never intended the law was not given to give life it was not given to give righteousness if it if, if righteousness could come through the law paul says then it would be then it would be through the law but it's not it was never intended to be
0: another feature that's here in this section of Ezekiel 44 concerning these priests is who they can and can't marry. What, what's the background there in the old Testament and how's that, how is that a shadow that points us to Christ?
1: Yeah. So, um, this is, uh, Leviticus 21 verse 13 says that the high priest, and this is specifically talking about the high priest, but here Ezekiel is kind of applying this rule to, to all the faithful priests, um, that he was he was not to take a divorced woman or a widow um as his as his wife, but he was to marry a virgin um uh, you know and of course virginity is purity right it's that outward purity um and, you know we live in such a people are so sensitive um you know I, I guess uh a married woman could say, "What are you saying I'm not pure it's like, well, I mean, no, but yeah, kind of too, you know, like there's <laughs> it's just. It's just we're talking about physical things here, and these are object lessons. This isn't to put down people who are, who are, who who are living a godly life and are not virgins
0: anymore. Just, know, yeah, as as it's, just it's, along those know. lines, Pastor Price. Something that because on thy strong word here on KFU, they've recently studied Leviticus, and one of the points they made when it comes to the, the distinction between clean and unclean is not the same as the distinction between sinful and not sinful. And I think yeah, that's exactly. an important thing to keep yeah. in mind with with what you just brought up. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. That you put it you put it very well there. Um, so these are, you know, these this is this is an object lesson. Again, it's a shadow, right? And it's the shadow of Christ, who is not only is he born of a virgin, as prophesied in Isaiah seven fourteen, but also I would say you know, behold, you know, behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. But also I would say Genesis 3.15, you know, it's usually we think of a seed coming from a man, but the seed of the woman, you know, this is a virgin birth. Um, And uh, so he's not only, but he's not only born of a virgin, but he also cleanses his bride, the church, from all dross. This is somewhere in first, is it first Corinthians or second Corinthians? boy, I, I, I don't like not knowing where it is. But, you know, a lot of that is just kind of pride anyway. I'll just do what, uh, what Hebrews says. That's right. Says it's written somewhere. That's right. Um, it is written by the Apostle Paul that uh, he says to the Corinthians, I presented you as, as 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 pure virgins to Christ, right? So this, again, virginity is a symbol of, uh, and a shadow um, of of the of the of the purity that Christ gives to His bride, the Church, and that's what's being that's what's being signified here with the priests,
0: mm. Pastor Price. We have about five minutes left. Just as a as a, a heads up and a warning, and there as as this talk about the priest continues, verses twenty eight through the end of the chapter. It deals less with the matter of clean, unclean, and talk, starts bringing out the matter of an inheritance. So help us to see what the background is there, what's, what's the matter of inheritance that's being spoken to the priests, and then maybe use that as a springboard to help us wrap up this morning and, and see how this chapter points us to Christ.
1: Okay, uh, that sounds good. So, so in, in the books of Moses, uh, when, he's, when they're dividing up, you know, like in Deuteronomy— he talks about this, uh, Deuteronomy 10 and 18 are places where he talks about this, where he's dividing up the the inheritance of the land of Israel. But the one tribe that does not receive any inheritance, but they instead they just receive kind of like towns and stuff that is kind of scattered throughout, um, they are the Levites, right? The Levites are the one tribe who are to serve as God's priests, and they are not to receive any physical inheritance because as God says, the Lord is their inheritance, right? And so, so Ezekiel says that they should not, he kind of reiterates this, right? And this is really what, what we're seeing here in this last part, in this kind of, you know, half, second half of, uh, of this chapter of Ezekiel 44, is God is, he's just kind of reinforcing w- things that he had commanded before, for 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 the uh, for the for the levites but we but it's it's neat how he's reinforcing them because we're seeing how even in the the old covenant even in the law of moses these things were serving as shadows so it's sort of like he's reminding us as malachi says remember the books of remember moses remember the law of moses right and jesus says moses if you believe moses you would believe me he's reminding us of how these things point to the fulfillment. So he's bringing back these kind of old regulations, these old teachings, you know, like a good catechist that God is. And he brings them back and says, hey, look, see, I am their possession. Just as I said years and years ago, I'm saying it again now, but we're seeing it in light of this nearer fulfillment that is that is, that is dawning um, and so this also reflects Malachi three, where God says that uh, you know He talks about John the Baptist, uh, who will prepare His way, and then the, the then the messenger of the covenant, Christ, will come, um, and the Lord will come to His temple, and uh, and the, the the Lord Christ will He'll purify the sons of Levi, and so what we see here. Uh, b- being described is he's describing these everyday duties, these regular duties of the Levites he's reinforcing them uh, and and, uh, and and but he's and he's reinforcing you know the teaching that I am their inheritance, I am their possession uh, and he's doing it now in light of what he's about to bring about and so when you're reading Ezekiel 44, uh, don't lose sight of the, of the heading of the chapter, of the first three verses where he's describing the prince. Because then Ezekiel is going to get back into that, and he's going to elaborate much more on who this prince is and what he's going to do. And again, he's described as doing the things in Leviticus, you know, described in Leviticus and in and, 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 and the books of Moses. Uh, and all of these things are being, again, they're being reinforced so that we would so that we would look forward and see in these shadows uh, the true light uh, who, who is to come. And that's, that's Jesus Christ, who is our prince and our priest um, and the fulfillment of all the prophets as the great prophet
0: himself. Pastor Andrew Price is pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in New Haven, Missouri, helping us today with Ezekiel chapter 44, verses 1 to 31. Pastor Price, thanks for being our guest today.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. It was fun.
0: I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. If you have any questions about the book of Ezekiel or comments on the series, please send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or use the open mic feature on the app to send a message to us. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.